Let's take a moment to bow in prayer, prepare our hearts and our minds, and then I'll close us out in prayer as we begin. Father, we just thank you so much for this wonderful day. There's a purpose behind everything, Father, so there's a purpose behind this cold weather, and whether it's to um, kill the bugs for this summer or whatever it is to renew the, the plant life and the trees so that they will produce brand new leaves, we know that it is your genius that is behind it in the, uh, in the way that you formed creation and, and for seasons and times. And so, Father, we just praise you that we can be a part of this. And, Father, we, we pray as we are assembled here together as your children, as those who seek your face, Father, and who want to praise you and sing and worship and then learn your word so that we can learn how to handle life. And so, Father, we pray now as we open up this old, old story from the book of Genesis that what happened Wow, this is about 4,000 years ago. What happened 4,000 years ago is just as relevant for our life today. That the things that you wrote aforetime were written for our learning so that we might be able to know these things. So, Father, we pray that you will make them evident to us, that it will come alive, and then we can take it within our life and our walk, and we can share it, and it will build our faith. So, Father nourish us with your manna from heaven your word of God this morning so that we can feast upon it understand it and then use it for our energy all through the week and we pray this in Jesus name amen all right Genesis chapter 14 if you want to turn there and get ready um, you know Abram we've been talking about Abram uh, the last couple of weeks on Wednesday night so since uh, some of you haven't been there, I want to give you a quick update to where we're at so you'll see where we're going here. But in starting in chapter 12, God made a promise to him. And God made a promise to Abram and he said, you know, I need you to leave your country, to leave your father and to leave your family and go to the place I'm going to take you to. And I want you to trust in me as you go. And I'm going to lead you there, and then I'm going to make you some promises. And I'm going to make your seeds and your descendants great, and I'm going to give you a land that I'm going to show you. What we find out is he's called the father of our faith in the book of Romans. But he's just like you and I. He, he hears the word of God, but it took him probably, they're thinking, 20-some years to move from Ur of the Chaldees up to Haran. He was supposed to make a left and go on down to Canaan, but he stayed in Haran. And Haran means the dried up place. God had to dry everything up in Haran so that it would force him to move. Sometimes God has to move in our life that way too sometimes. Sometimes he's telling us to move right. We want to go left or stay where we're at. And sometimes he has to dry things up where we're at to get us to move forward. So he finally obeys one part of it and he moves forward 
His father is passed on, but he takes Lot with him, it says. And so now Lot's tagging. He said, leave your family and go where I'm telling you. But Lot tags along. And so Lot's coming around, so it takes Abraham a while. And we read that, that those names that are in there in the Old Testament, like Bethel and all of these in Haran, all of the names have a meaning behind them, just like your name may have a meaning behind it. The meaning behind some of those names painted the story of Abram's journey. When he went to the first place, that was the name behind it was learning. So God had to begin teaching him some things when he stepped out on faith. Just like you and I have to be taught some things so that we can build that faith and trust in God as we move along and go into uncharted territory in our life. So then when he finally got to one place, and he was ready to worship God. It says he built an altar. And that was at Bethel. And Bethel means house of God. That's right. The, the folks has been there. Beth is the word in Hebrew for house. And El is God in the single. So it's a house of God. And it says he went to Bethel. Pitched his tent there. Built an altar and worshiped God. And called on the name of the Lord. So he's learning. He's in the house of the Lord. And it says he journeyed. And that's you and I. A lot of times we will start to hit where we're supposed to be. But then just the things of life begins to have us a journey in another direction, doesn't it? And so it says he journeyed southward. And the next thing you know, there's a famine in the land. And you know what famine is? Testing. Just like last week we had Moses with the Red Sea and the mountains. And that was going into the wilderness as a test. It's, it's to show you some things. So now there's a famine in the land, and the test is, Abram, are you going to believe what I told you, that this is the land I want you to be in, and this is where I'm going to bless you? Are you going to trust me through what looks like a hard situation, or are you going to move on? Well, Abram is still young in the faith and dragging on, so what he does is he moves on to Egypt. He goes down to Egypt, and he gets into all kinds of trouble in Egypt. That's what usually happens to us when God's trying to tell us to be in a place and he's trying to increase our faith through some testing. And then we move on and he got spanked a little bit down there. And he had to come on back. And you know what, though, it says in the next chapter, in chapter 13? It says that he left Egypt, he and Lot. So Lot's still tagging along with him. And he moves back to Bethel the house of God, where he had started his journey at and where he had first pitched his tent, and he pitched his tent back with Bethel. And you know what that means? He's repented. He's asked God for forgiveness, and that's what we do. Do you know that it says in 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9, and this is a verse you can stand on, and it's a promise in the word of God, and it says that God, whenever you confess your faults before him, that God is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. I like that for two reasons. Because one, when you confess, that's all. You don't have to do it to anyone else. It's only to him. You know why? Because you have that personal relationship with him. Nowadays, it says that through Christ, we have been made not only just sons of God, but also priests and a royal family. And so as a priest, you have the access to God in prayer. And God's promise is this. If you say, I'm sorry, I forgive you. 
And you know what a greater part of that promise is? Is when you say I'm sorry and I forgive you. That there's probably 50 other things that you've forgotten that you did. Or you didn't know that you did. And that's why it says and I will cleanse you of all unrighteousness as well. Because you didn't realize that. But because you was faithful to the word and you asked for that forgiveness. I will cleanse you of everything, even the things that you forgot or didn't know about. And I love how God is faithful like that. So Abram repented. He came back to Bethel. He rebuilt his altar and it said he called upon the name of the Lord. But then something happened, another test. How's your faith growing, Abram? There's another test coming because he had been also growing some wealth and herds through all of this. And so had Lot who had been tagging along with him. And it came to a point to where the servants of Lot and the servants of Abraham started getting into fights over the pasture land. We said on Wednesday that it was like the old westerns when it would say, this land ain't big enough for the two of us. One of us has got to get. So what happened was, Abram should have had the right by being the elder and the patriarch of going where he wanted to go. But you know what he did? Here's where you start to see the victories of Abraham and faith. And as he grows. Because that's what we're going to be talking about today. Is growing in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And a big way that you can show that you're growing is what you think. Because Proverbs says as a man thinketh in his heart. So he is. So how is your thinking process whenever no one knows what you're thinking? Abram could have said, I've got the right to choose, Lot, and I'm going to take the best part of the land, and you're going to have to get and go somewhere, and hopefully you'll make out okay. But you know what? Abram has grown to a point to where he trusts in God. He's grown to the point to where he's repented. He's seen how God brought him through a troubled situation, and now he's, he's blessing him, and he says, I am changing my, my way. I am not going to think the way I used to think. And so here's what he does. He, he says, Lot, I'm going to let you choose. Where do you want to take your tribe? And Miss T's up there going, this is nowhere on here. <laughs> but he says, Lot, where do you want to go? I'll let you choose. You can go to wherever you want. If you say left, I'll go right. If you say right, I'll go left. But you choose. Well, Abraham is thinking the way God did. He knows that he's gave him all of this land anyway. But it says Lot lifted up his eyes. And he saw the plain and how fertile it was. And those cities that seemed to be, you know, really the bright lights and things going on down there. in the plains of Sodom and Gomorrah and Admod and Zeboim and all of those in Zoar. And he says, lifted up his eyes, the word says. And he says, I want that way. I want to go that direction. And Abraham said, okay, and he departed peacefully. And you know what God said to Abraham whenever that happened? Abraham's still standing there. Most of us would think, I just got skinned. He took the best. That's, that's the best land. It's the fertile plain. And doggone it, why did I give him the choice? Because he did take the best part, and I got skinned. But as Abraham is sitting there, says the Lord came to him and he said Abraham I want you to look to the east to the west to the north and to the south and every bit of land that you see I'm giving it to you and your descendants 
forever. That included the place that Lot just went. You know why? Because Lot didn't go in faith and with a promise of God. This had already been promised to Abram, and God says, it doesn't matter. I'm still going to provide for you. It's okay. You're going to end up with all of it anyway, so you didn't lose nothing. And it says that he went on, and he went towards the oaks of Mamre. And Mamre means the place of blessing, the, the place of strength. And so, as you build in your walk of faith, that's what these chapters and these words are to tell us. That we start out, it's a hard journey at first. We slip, we come back, we repent, we ask for forgiveness. Life is a journey. And as you journey, it's supposed these things that we go through in life are to build our faith and trust in God. If he doesn't bring you to the Red Sea and the mountains with Pharaoh's army coming, he can't show you the beauty of his deliverance. You can't build your faith in God as a deliverer if he never delivers you out of something. And so he brought him to these places. And we learned that it was a place of teaching and a place where the house of God was. And then he builds to the point to where he has strength and goodness. And that's where we come to, if you're there with me, in chapter 14. And, and I'll tell you what happened. Wednesday, we did the, the last few verses of chapter 14. Because after I studied this, and I'm going to be honest with you. Last week, when I was on Wednesday, when I was preparing for the Wednesday lesson and doing this, and you're going to see it when we read it in a minute. I was like, how in the world can you get something out of this? It's kind of like, and I told him, my mind was on like that Hebrew uh, thing that we read about, that celebration called the Passover that they did. They're like, this is a section of scripture that we ought to pass over and move on. And you know what happens every time you think about that? God whacks you upside the head. And he hit me hard. And what he did was he said, you know what? If you dig in and, and search for the nuggets that I've put in there, everything out of the last 4,000 years, I only put in this little book. There was lots of things that went on, but what I did, I put there for a purpose. And it's your job to find it. And needless to say that by the time I got done, my eyes were sweating because the Lord had shown me a great truth. So we're going to read through this, and I want you to read through it with me. And then we're going to unpack it and see what God wanted us to see. All right, so if you're there in uh, chapter 14, let's look at the first 12 verses then. Oh, wait a minute. Go to my next slide, Miss T. I told you all of that was just, just going off the cuff. Biblical principles of the text that we're going to get ready to study today out of chapter 14. Galatians 6.10, that's one of the first verses I learned. You know why? Because my father-in-law quoted it one time. Whenever he was helping somebody. And it stuck with me. As you have opportunity. Do good unto all men. Especially of those of the household of faith. As you have an opportunity. You do good. When you see it. It's all for the glory of God. But especially of those who are of your household of faith. Those are God's children. And you do good unto them. That's going to be one overriding principle of what we're going to read today and why it was put in there for our learning. And the other one is, we're seeing how Abraham is like us. 
growing in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and the principles that he wants us to, to walk in and do. So now, now we're ready. We see the principle and why we're going to study this and what's behind it for us. Let's go into Genesis chapter 14 and begin in verse 1 and it says, It came to pass in the days of Amraphel, king of Shinar, and Ariok, king of Elasser, and Kedeliomer, king of Elam, and Tidal, king of the nations, that they made war with Bera, the king of Sodom, and Bershah, the king of Gomorrah, and Shinab, the king of Admon, Shemember, the king of Zeboim, and the king of Bela, which is Zoar. And all these joined together down in the valley of Siddim, and that is to say the dead or the salt sea. And twelve years they served Kedeliomer, and in the thirteenth year they rebelled. And in the fourteenth year, Kedeliomer and the kings that were with him came, and they attacked, first of all, the Raphaim in Ashtaroth, Karnaim, and the Zuzim that were in Ham, and the Eman that is in Shavah Kiriathim, and the Horites in their mountain of Seir, and as far as El Paran, which is the, by the wilderness. And then they turned back and came to in Mishpat, which is Kadesh. And then they attacked the country of the Amalekites, the Amorites, and dwelt in Hazazon Tamar. Exciting so far, right? Okay, let's keep going. And the king of Sodom and Gomorrah then, and the king of Admah, the king of Zeboim, and Bela, which is Zoar's king, went out and joined together in the ba battle in the valley of Siddim. And against Kedeliomer, the king of Edom, and all of those other kings, I won't repeat them again. The valley of Siddim in verse 10 was full of asphalt or tar or slime pits. And the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah fled, and some fell there, and the remainder fled to the mountains. Then those kings of the north that came down, they took all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah, all their provisions, and they went their way. Verse 12 is important. They also took Lot, Abram's brother's son, who dwelt in Sodom and his goods, and they departed. Was that just not something exciting? Now do you see why I thought, man, we ought to just do the Passover and go on to another chapter. But this is what God said, okay. I put it here for a reason. Let's unpack this, all right? Let's see what I'm really talking about. So let's get cracking and see if we can crack this nut in half, get some goodies that's inside. First couple of verses is setting the stage for our story that we have here. And the, let's watch this plot untold. We see this map that's up above here. Nothing has really changed in 4,000 years. During the world wars and stuff, there was a peace treaty alliance form that's called NATO. Anyone ever heard of NATO? The North Atlantic Treaty Organization. And, and then our enemies have their little Warsaw Pact and they had all of this. That's somewhat what we see going on here. So stuff hasn't changed in 4,000 years. We've, we've got all of this going on. And what you have is those kings of the north, Kadeliomer and those guys who are powerful. Down over here to the far left, that shaded area just middle is land of Canaan. In the center of that is kind of where this valley is of where... It was a beautiful, lush plain before the Lord destroyed it. Now, what happened is, it's kind of like one of those mafioso scenes, okay? The, the, the group of the north, 
They don't have as fertile of resources as you have down here. But they were very powerful and they had lots of weapons and machineries of war for way back then. And so what they said was, was kind of one of those things that, hey, guess what? You give us some goods and we make sure your joint ain't messed up. You comprehend? We, we won't mess up the place and I won't send Guido to break any legs if, if you pay up and we will protect you. And if someone else comes, we will protect you too because you're helping us with the food and with the things. And so what you have is the strong arming of this one nation against the people down here so that they can get their goods and vice versa, we, we may protect you in your time of need. But what happened is, is after... 12 years of paying this forward and paying this forward and you're working hard every day and someone's taking it and you're going what gives here after 12 years they all got together and said why don't all five of us make a pact and say we're not going to pay anymore we're going to protect each other down here and so that's what they did so in year 13 Whenever Guido comes down and they say, we ain't paying you no more. We're all joined together in this thing and we don't need your help. Thank you. That doesn't set well with the kings of the north because now they're going to be hungry this year. And so they set in the battle of array. And now they're going to come down in year 14 and break some legs. And maybe we will get our pay going back again. So you see how the, the story's rolling. That was that first part that we was reading about all these kings setting up. In a, so now you see the story behind the story that's developing here with us. So now they're coming down through there. And they're taking out some of these different nations. And you've got uh, the Rephaim and the Zuzim. And you know why that was put in there and important? They had defeated them, but... Those are the giants that we're going to talk about in the book of Joshua when they cross over. Well, even in the book of Exodus, you remember why they spent 40 years in testing? God tested them for about a year, and then he told them, here's the land I want you to go to. They sent 12 spies over. Remember what they said? Whew, we can't take the land because there's what? Giants in the land. And we're like, what in their sight grasshoppers we're like little grasshoppers and then so we seem to be in their eyes that's a key because what god is working on and what we've just talked about with what he's doing with abram is changing your mental state of mind to where you trust in god they were trusting in self they are giants they looked at us like grasshoppers and we felt like grasshoppers so you know what god said 39 more years of testing. <laughs> I got to get you guys to where you're going to believe in me. So that should be a clue to us that the quicker we catch on, the quicker we might not have so many of these wilderness experiences and some testing, okay? So 39 more years, they're there. So these groups of the north come down and they've hit the Rephaim and the Zuzim and these, these places. And they come down and they get ready and they set their battle in array against uh, the kings of the south and as they get there let's go all the way to uh, the slide where we're in uh, verses 11 and 12 miss t so the army's been conquering and they make their way through the valley 
and they're in the battle there in the valley getting ready. And it's verse 9 had said that there was four kingdoms against five, and there was asphalt pits and tar. And you know what that meant? That was kind of like the Red Sea. That was a barrier. They ran into something, a wall that they couldn't pass through, and the army came in. And this wasn't an army of faith, so they got overran because it was a different kingdom. And so they were fleeing and they ran everywhere and went into disarray from this kingdom of the north that had come down. And then in verse 11 and 12, it says this. They took all the goods from Sodom and Gomorrah. They spoiled it. They took all of the provisions and they went on their way. And part of what they took was Lot, his family, and everything that Lot owned because he was now dwelling in Sodom. He took his goods and departed. Now, I want the impact of that to set in on you. Think that if somebody came here and did that with us, that they actually came here and took everything and departed. Took you as a captive. Lots of folks were slayed in the battle. How would you feel? It'd be disturbing, wouldn't it? We, we have no idea what, what was going on and what it feels like in this. We've been so blessed and far removed from that. Thank God. I don't want to go through that. So now, we're getting ready to see the difference that we wanted to see between Lot and Abraham about the growing in grace and knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and in doing good unto all men. Because now... We know that Abram is where God had directed him to be, and he didn't get affected by this. Lot was where he wanted to be instead of where God wanted him to be, and he got affected by it really bad. Everything that he thought he had and was going to gain in that valley, he is now lost, including his freedom. Now, a lot of folks balk at being fully committed to a Christian life because, man, it's either boring or that was stuff from a long time ago or one of these days I will. Folks, this is written so that we realize that we need to get engaged now with this. And like Abram, to pitch our tent towards the house of God, which is our life, in the place of learning so that then we can be in the place of strength and blessed as we do this walk of life and not in the place of constant disaster or things happening and the turmoil that comes. It's a whole lot easier to rest in faith when you have that knowledge of the word and what God can do even when things are swirling because you know he's going to deliver you from it than it is to not have that faith and now you are just swirling out of control when things start to happen and that's what we're seeing in this passage in the two. Now, verse 13, let's continue to put ourselves in this story. When one of them escaped and came and told Abram the Hebrew about what had just happened, for he dwelt by the terebinth trees of Mamre, the Amorite, the brother of Eschol and the brother of Amar, they were now allies with Abram. You see, there was a real violent battle that had been going on here. And now... There was a guy who escaped from it. Where did he go? Where do most people go when something tragic happens? Now they start to search for somebody from the Lord that can help them or the Lord and prayers and different things. 
Abram before this was probably laughed at and scoffed. You realize that, right? Because these were the popular places and the cities and it looked like it was the place to be and oh, it looks so good. Grass ain't always greener on the other side, is it? And now when the stuff hit the fan, this guy, he's exhausted probably. He has ran for his life. There has been a battle that was waged. People, probably family, being massacred all around. People taken and captive. He escapes. And the place that he says in his heart and his mind that I have to go is down there to Mamre to see Abraham. Because Abraham is now the figure of strength in that community, in that place. His reputation has went out as one who is being blessed by God, even though he's way different than we are. But now, that's where he turns to, and he goes to run. And you know how I know that? Because he says he went to Abram the Hebrew, if you look on there. You know why God put that in there? Because Hebrew means the one who crossed over the river. What happens when they leave the wilderness and the priests put their foot in the water and they cross over to what? The promised land from the river. These are all pictures of the spiritual thing. Everything that you read here is a physical story of the spiritual lesson that God wants us to see. And it's the crossing over into the place that God wants you to be. Abraham the Hebrew. Abraham the man of God who has crossed over and is growing spiritually. He is the ambassador for God in the place. And we know that because then it says the next couple of guys there also now are allied with him. They have believed in this God of Abraham and chosen to be there instead of in the cities. And so this man runs for his life. And comes and the place that he knows to go to is the place of stability, strength, and hope. And that is to God and to God's people and God's place. And so now he runs and he comes over to see Abraham. And that reminds me of our journey. You know it? Because it says this in, the, in our next slide, Miss T. I'm just helping her because I'm all over the place this morning. It says this about you and I and our Christian walk of life. You are a chosen race. You're a royal priesthood. That's why I told you that you can pray to God on your own because you've become in Christ a chosen nation and a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You are, now listen to this. This is God talking to you. You are God's own possession that you might proclaim the praises of him who called you out of the darkness and brought you into the light of his marvelous son. Once we were not a people, but now we are God's people. Once we had no mercy outside of Christ, but now we have received mercy. That scripture is beautiful. That scripture is a promise of God of what you are in him. And you are his special possession. This man needed to go to somebody who represented that 
that brought the praises and glory of God, the strength and stability, and he ran to one who has crossed over the river from darkness into light, like Abraham the Hebrew has done. And then he says, I'm going to institute a new nation. He started the new nation. They called them the Hebrews and then the children of Israel. You know what? We've got a new name too, don't we? Christian. You are Christ-like. You are a royal nation now in Christ Jesus. So then, as Abraham had been scoffed before, now they're coming to him. And verse 13 finishes by saying this. He dwelt by the terebinth trees of Mamre. Abraham is in God's favor. He's, he's getting those blessings and people are seeing God's working within his life. Now I want you to notice something about when it was told to Abram by this man who come running that Lot and his family has been taken captive and everything that they've got. If you read the verse, what's it say? It says that Abraham celebrated and started laughing and said, I knew that was coming to the boy. I could have told you. He made his bed. Now he's laying in it. What you reap is what you sow. And he sowed to the wind and he's reaping the whirlwind. And buddy, I'm just glad. I'm glad you came and gave me that good news. Let's raise a glass and a toast and let's have some dinner. Is that what you read? No. You know why? That's what Abraham on the other side of the river would have thought because he got skinned, but God blessed him through it. And now his faith, this is where we're growing in that grace and our knowledge of our Lord and Savior and his word because now he doesn't gloat about his nephew and the trouble that he's gotten in and saying he, he, he skinned me, now he got skinned. No, he's concerned. It's one of those Galatians 6.10s that says, As you got opportunity, you do good to all men, especially those of the household of faith. And here's a man that even though his faith had been weak and it had carried him to where his eyes wanted to look and draw him to, he was still a, a man of God and he was still Abraham's kin. And he said, I must do good unto all men, especially my brother that is here. So verse 14 says this, when Abraham heard that his brother was taken captive, that he armed his 318 trained servants that were born in his house and he went and pursued as far as Dan. That is one of the greatest indications of your spiritual growth in Christ is when your mental attitude can be relaxed and be concerned about the people who have shunned you, who have taken advantage of you, who have lied to you, who have done things to you. And when your mental stability and relaxation is such that you go, yeah, but I got to help him because he's in trouble. And the thing that I'm supposed to do is to go ahead and to help him. That is a spiritual victory. And that's why God put this in here for us to know Spiritual victories come with what you think and how that directs your life because not only as a man thinketh in his heart, so is as a man thinks and from what inside Jesus said, it's not what goes into the person that defiles the person, 
It's what comes out of the person. So those mental attitudes and how I react to them is what makes me either acceptable or not before God. It's not everything else that a lot of people think that it is out there in the world. It's what's within me and how I portray that out. And so Abram is showing great spiritual growth in the word of God and that strength and that training that he's been doing in the word. And so now it says that he parked himself. It said that he was dwelling by the terebinth trees in Mamre. Mamre is a word that means strength and fatness, overabundance of things. He has been overabundantly blessed with strength and things through God. And you know what? He's going to risk every bit of that to go save his brother in, in Christ, but is also his nephew, his brother's son. He's going to risk everything in his life to take 318 men against five armies that the historians say is somewhere between 50,000 and 100,000 men. Does that sound like a bright thing to you to do? No. God can only be glorified in your life when you go up against something that's insurmountable and impossible and he delivers on it. And then your faith is overabundantly grown again. He is willing to now trust in God to take these 318 plus a few men of those companions and go and rescue him. Why? Because he is dwelling by the trees in Mamre. You know what trees are in the word of God? We got a bunch of trees here today. I told Miss T, I said, um, we're going to talk about trees because I've got the, the ladies of the trees. In case you don't know, her mama and sisters are here and, and your name's Betty Trees, isn't it? You know what trees are in the Word of God? They represent strength through Bible doctrine. That's what trees represent. Let me show you what it is. It means that you are taking in that water of the Word of God. Let's look at Psalm 1 up there real quick. Yeah. This is what, this is the reason God the Holy Spirit puts things like He dwelt by the terebinth trees. What's a tree mean? Listen. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly or stands in the way with sinners or sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night. And when you meditate in the law of the Lord day and night, and it becomes the thing of your desire and your love. You know what you become? Like a tree that's planted by the rivers of water. That's what the rivers of water is. Is that doctrine of the word of God. And fellowship with Jesus Christ. Because Jesus is the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. And so whenever you are by the waters. You are by the word of God. Which is the Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. And when you are taking in. And meditating day and night. On that water. Of the river of God. And of our Lord. Of his word. You become like a strong tree. And that's why Mamre is the place of strength. And it's a tree 
because of Bible doctrine in your heart. And when it becomes so real to you that it's more real than anything else, you become strong no matter what happens. And you can let the winds blow and you can let everything come. But that tree is planted by the rivers of water. And you know what? It says it's going to bear some fruit in its season. It took Abraham a long time to get to this place, guys. Don't give up on your journey. It's taken him years and years and years to get to the mammary, to be a tree and to be strong and to place his, this much trust in God. It's taken a long time. Trees grow slow to become strong. A fast-growing tree that's not planted by water don't last long. But it's going to take you a while. Don't give up. Stay drawing in that water. And you will be like a tree by the river you will bear your fruit your leaf won't wither it'll stay green through the famine because you've got that water of life watering you you've got that word that you're trusting in and i need food well who's responsible for feeding me doesn't it say that doesn't he so clothe the lilies of the field and feed the birds and the sparrows does he not care much more about you O ye of little faith yes so be that tree be strong. And that's where Abram now has finally come to his place in life. And now he gets there and he's trusted in the Lord. And he's growing in that grace. And we see God's power at work. I want you to know a promise that's for you, okay? That's this next uh, slide up here. This, this promise that we have. Not that one. Yeah. Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, Above all that you ask or think. And where's the power coming from within you? You know why? Because you are God's and God, the Holy Spirit, and the Lord Jesus Christ dwells within you. And so you've already got the power within you, if you will only believe it, that you can then do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask because the power is already there waiting for you to tap into it by faith. So then... Now we go to the other one on, a, on our text in Genesis. It says that Abraham took his 318 trained servants and he armed them. Now I'm going to park here for just a minute. And I just want to say that it's okay for you to bear arms. Okay? Right now there's a lot of that in the news going on and people are fighting over it. But I want you to know that we trust in God for his protection but he also tells us to work through him in faith. And it is okay for you to have those things. Abram here, if he was not armed, if he was not trained, and if he was not trusting in God, he could not go and do good to his nephew Lot and bring him back. If something is going to happen inside of your home against your family, it's your responsibility to take care of them. So there is a battle going on, and it's, and it's not a good battle. You, our forefathers knew that, and I don't want to get into all that. I just want to say that from this thing, it's okay. If you choose not to, that's okay. That's your choice to make, and you have a choice. But on the other side of the coin, it's okay for others to choose that way as well. So you, it's your choice. I just present the word of God and truth as it is. Abraham had trained. That word means practiced and ready. 
that you know it from memory. They trained in that. Psalm 144.1, David says the same thing, that this is the Lord God who has trained my, my fingers for battle and my hands for war. That, that sometimes, but all of this really is pointing out again the physical to the spiritual. You know what, we're in a battle all the time spiritually, aren't we? So what it's really trying to tell us is that you need to be well armed at all times for the spiritual battles that you're going to face in life. Another thing it says there, that they were not only trained and that there was only 318 of them, but it says they were born in his house. If you're going to do battle in this world, spiritual or physical battles, you want people you can trust on your side, don't you? He wanted people that was from his own house, that he had trained, that he knew he could count on and rely on. He didn't want people he didn't know that he couldn't rely on and he couldn't trust and turn his back on. So that's why we are a family. It's the family of God. And we are here and we do good unto all men, especially those the household of faith, that underlying current that we have here from the New Testament principle that this represents is that we become to where we can know each other, we can trust each other, and we stand up for each other and we go to war and to battle for each other in this and so he took them and he knew situations and tactics and planning and he went and that small little army it's going to tell you through the end of the chapter went and beat the five kingdoms he devised a strategy to go in at night and the lord is really who fought for him by going in faith the lord fights for you and won the battle and he ended up bringing lot and his family and everything back and if you want to know how that story ends, we just had it on Wednesday night. Because that's where this story ends and that story took off. But the thing was, was afterwards, the devil tried to step in and take the credit away from God. And he tried to have Abram to say, you can keep all the goods that you brought back. But a servant of the Lord had come and said, the God that you serve, who's the possessor of heaven and earth, has given you all things that you need. And so Abram turned and looked at that king and he said, I don't want your goods. I don't need your stuff. It was the Lord who wrought the victory in my life. It's the Lord who protects me and takes care of me. I don't want your things. You can go ahead and keep them. That way you can't say that you made Abraham rich. In other words, the glory goes to God and no one else can take the glory for what he's done in your life. You give the glory to God all the time and what he's doing in your life and God will take care of you. And that was the moral of this story. So as our worship team comes on up, I skipped over this. But while they're coming on up and, and getting ready, I'll tell you, this whole thing is, is a physical display in this chapter of what Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10 is. It's about really our spiritual battle that we wage out there every day. It says that you are going to be under attack by principalities, by powers. That we need to be armored up in God. And trained. And trained in that. And that's what Abraham did. He was armored up in God. He had the weapons of war that were God's. He went out there with his swords. But it says that our sword is of the spirit is the word of God, isn't it? When you go out, you need the spiritual armor on, God's protection on, 
and you are battling with the sword of the Spirit as you move on. So that's our takeaways for today, that this represents the spiritual battle in life as well. And the odds may seem overwhelming. It may look like the enemy is so great. There's 100,000 of them and you got less than 500. But if you're armored up in God, the victory is his. You just trust and go forward like he told you to. And so isn't that great for you and I who are in Christ we want you, though, if you're not in Christ today, to have that opportunity and to make that known. And if you're not, and you want to be in Christ, and you want to have that faith in Him and that protection and that bond of fellowship that you have as the body of Christ, then you come up this morning and make that known. And in that confession of faith, you can be baptized into Christ and be oh, now a warrior for God. For those of us who have already made that commitment, this section of scripture is written for our faith and our learning that we can take this and trust that it's going to be a journey. There's going to be tests, trials, setbacks. But I'm going to repent and I'm going to keep planting my, my tent towards Bethel, the house of God, and then to Mamre, the place of strength, where I'm like a tree that drinks up the water. And then I am strong in the faith and not only can I help others and do good to all men like he did to Lot. I am also looked to as an ambassador for Christ now so that the people who are trying to escape those things knows where to come to find the stability, the peace, the, the person of God that can help them through their trouble. And I pray that we can become all of those things in our walk with Christ. So let's pray. And Father, we thank you for this chapter 14 of Genesis that you placed in your word of God that lives and abides forever. And Father, your, your word is alive and powerful. We study it so that we can learn all things that are profitable for, for doctrine, reproof, correction, and instruction, and righteousness, that we might be your people, thoroughly furnished unto every good work. And so, Father, now we can see we can go out in your power that works within us and in your glory and to proclaim that message. And when things come our way, we can stand up in faith and take your armor and your shield and your protection and your word, the sword of the Spirit, and we can go and protect others. We can lead them back home safely. And we can be your ambassador in the land that you've planted us in and gave us. In Jesus' name, amen.